April 3rd, 2018. This is the world's greatest podcast, the Barack Obama approved world's greatest podcast, Hyphen Nation. And I'm your host, Kellen Conley. As always, Hyphen Nation is brought to you by Hyphen Podcast Group. Hyphenpodcastgroup.com. That's right. We got a .com now. I have a .com right now. It's official. And everything, and I do mean everything that I've ever done podcasting-wise, other than guest appearances, is now on hyphenpodcastgroup.com. I still got to just tweak a couple things, but everything other than the It's Like a Podcast or whatever feed is coming directly from that site. And that's only because they're on SoundCloud, and it's easier for Eric to throw everything on SoundCloud, and when he gets that done, it goes to iTunes, and then once I see it's on iTunes, then I post the uh, video and I post the link, but I digress. It's been a minute. (laughs) Disney is the reason, among other things. Um, We went to Disney the second week of March. Um, We were there for a week. I did not get the show done like I wanted to before I went to Disney. A little bit of lack of effort on my part, so sorry on that. And then that just kind of spiraled from there because once I got back from Disney, I launched into uh, getting hyphenpodcastgroup.com online and then also getting my own personal website, which is hyphenuniverse.com back online. And as of today, earlier today, I just got everything where it needed to be for that. So I posted a whole bunch of stuff that had been sitting in my inbox waiting to be used, including for anybody who saw in December on my old website that I was going to do 31 days of music in December. I finally posted the rest of those. I posted a couple of the Pick'em League champions that me and people like showing mad love robinson and uh gary wolf and anthony sellers we do together and mike the buzzsaw Osti posted those results as well as what will probably be i say probably because i'm weird what will probably be the last dope reads post in case you're not familiar which you probably aren't dope reads is just i find 10 links of things that i find are dope And then I post them all together in one post. So the final Dope Reads is now there, ready for your consumption. So hyphenuniverse.com is live now. Hyphenpodcastgroup.com is live now. I am Kellen Conley, a.k.a. (sighs) B-Hyphen. Episode 55. Happy to be here. So let's talk about WrestleMania. WrestleMania happens this Sunday. It'll be the... Um, the 7th, because April 1st was Sunday, and no, April, it'll be, uh, 
April 8th in New Orleans. WrestleMania 34. Now, thankfully, as you know, I like to keep my show notes on my Google Docs. As I think of topics, I just jot them down. And all of this stuff is still relevant. So I can kind of talk about the card. Uh, give you give you all some predictions, I guess. So uh, going to have to do some Google, some uh, podcasting 101 magic and bring up the WrestleMania card. But the first thing I want to talk about is the elephant in the room, which is Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Now, I know. <laughs> Nobody likes Roman still. While I feel like Roman has improved since his suspension, and I was on board the Roman train even before, where I felt like his peak was, and forgive me for not rem- remembering the events, but uh, let's, okay, WrestleMania 34. Forgive me for not remembering the events that led to it, but. Like, what event it would happen at, but Roman won the WWE Championship from, oh, who did he beat? It was just a WWE title. Um, Seth had already given it up. Kevin, Kevin Owens is universal. Um, he didn't beat Brock for it. Damn, I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, Roman overcame and won the WWE Championship at some random pay-per-view a few years ago. And then Sheamus, who happened to win, had won Money in the Bank that year. So, two years ago? It was, it was definitely after, it was at least 2015 when this happened. Sheamus cashed in after Roman won. Roman was distraught. Roman chased him for a few months, and then ultimately he had that great Raw Championship match against Sheamus where Vince got involved. Vince took the major bump off the ropes, um, and I think he caught a Superman punch, actually. Then Roman went on to beat Sheamus, became WWE Champion. They had their moment, and then they immediately threw him into the 2016 Royal Rumble against... Everybody, he had to defend his title against 30 entrants. And then your boy, Triple H, and my boy, even though he's had some spotty things that I've called him out on recently, your boy, Triple H, showed up and he won. He beat Dean Ambrose, threw, out, threw him out, and he became the champion. Uh, he defended once against uh, Dean Ambrose at the inaugural Roadblock event and then went on to WrestleMania 32 against Roman. And Roman proceeded to win at like 11.59, 12.07 at night. It was super long WrestleMania. <sighs> yeah, that was, that was the same WrestleMania that... Who did Brock face at WrestleMania? Was he not at WrestleMania 32? Because he, he, he lost this in the triple threat, the threat to Seth in 31. He won it, the Universal Belt from Goldberg last year. What did Brock do at that WrestleMania? It's not coming to me. Anyway, he overcame. He was the champ. And then immediately after dropping the belt to uh, Dean Ambrose in a triple threat match between all the Shield members, he got hit for his first wellness policy violation. So he was out for a while. 
so on and so forth. He, they, they, all that goodwill that they built with him winning the belt from Sheamus was immediately lost. Everybody went back to hating Roman. Roman got multiple title shots. He never pulled it out, though. And then he went on to be the U.S. champion? No. The Intercontinental champion a few months ago. Roman did not win the Royal Rumble. Uh, that would be Shinsuke Nakamura, someone we're going to talk about in a little bit. And then Roman actually won a number one contenders match at the Elimination Chamber to be here. Now, I've mentioned that Brock beat Goldberg after Goldberg beat him in like less than two minutes to become win this first Universal WWE Universal Championship. And he's held it ever since. He's offended against everybody. Samoa Joe. He hadn't had Cena, which is surprising. But I guess... I mean, they've only had two Cena-Brock matches since they've been back. Him and Triple H had three. And he went two for one. The only one he lost was um, the one with Shawn Michaels at um, WrestleMania 29. But... Cena, of course, went to uh, went to Suplex City, took 16 suplexes, and had SummerSlam match a few years ago. But nobody really came close to beating Brock. Braun Strowman was an obvious choice to pay, possibly do that, but I guess they're not ready for Braun, even though he's over as hell. <coughs> Excuse me. So Brock has been invincible. He's been protected. He had a great match with AJ at SummerSlam. Or somewhere around there last summer where they did a champion versus champion match and AJ was outclassed. But then when AJ kind of looked like he had a chance, it was awesome. It was it was definitely something we were all here for. But that was his last good match. So, Brock Lesnar, essentially, his contract's coming up. And for all intents and purposes, and according to what we see on WWE programming... This episode is sponsored by Members Mark Purified Water. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, he's leaving the company. He, his plan is to go serve out a suspension, I guess, because he still has that, um, I don't want to say FCC. Um, he, he still has that violation from after he wrestled last time in UFC, or fought last time in UFC. He still has to serve that one-year suspension, so I'm guessing... After WrestleMania, he's going to reapply to wrestle to fight in the UFC and then serve out whatever remains on the suspension, which I would guess is about still 11 months or so. Or he might have a full year before he can actually get back in the octagon. At least that's what WWE programming is pointing us to. Roman is still Roman. He still is the two in... 22 and 2, I think now, in the Undertaker streak. Undertaker still had an answer. John Cena, I expect an answer tonight on SmackDown, actually, so we'll see. Hopefully, it's American Badass Taker and they retired a dead man because that's his, for all intents and purposes. That is what Roman did last year, was he retired the Undertaker. Um, at least the dead man version. So I'm hoping that we will get. Undertaker on his show, as he called it, not that long ago, tonight, accepting John Cena's challenge, and they finally put that into place. But Brock versus Roman, the, the build has been okay. Brock, the, the original um, plan for him was to keep him off TV and keep him away from Roman. 
So Roman was just getting pissed and fans were getting pissed because they wanted Brock versus Roman. And, well, I mean, they wanted the face-off. They kept saying, Brock will be here next week. And then Brock's like, I ain't coming. So they're trying to build sympathy for Roman by making it seem like Brock didn't want to fight him. So they did that for, what, several weeks. And in the past three weeks, Brock's finally showed up. And Brock whooped Roman's ass two weeks in a row. Beat that man down, as only Brock Lesnar can. And I'm going to say this, for for all intents and purposes, I'm going to go ahead and say this, that I have enjoyed Brock Lesnar's run. Now, I was not a fan, if you want to... Go to hyphenpodcastgroup.com and look up Slobber Knocker Chronicles number one that I recorded after Extreme Rules 2012. I was not a fan of how he came in, still doing the MMA stuff, and I got it was too real for me. I literally thought he went off script and hurt John Cena, the, the main guy in the company, the anointed one, so to speak. Obviously, that wasn't the case. I got too into it. But I wasn't a fan when he first came back after the Triple H feud, though, and especially once he got into his he had his match with Punk in 2013, which I thought was excellent at SummerSlam. And then every everything he did leading up to him beating Cena um, Suplex City style at, at SummerSlam 2014. I um I've been a fan. I, I like Brock. I like to see. What he does, he is a phenomenal, <clears throat> a phenomenal anomaly. Let's just say that. Shout out to my man Anomaly out there doing his political videos, uh, whether I agree with him or not. He he is absolutely a freak of nature, and he's he he's must see TV. Uh, just like early, if you've been with podcasts for a while, I said Steph Curry was having a moment in the 2016 season. He was must see TV. Um, and just like Ronda Rousey, who I'll get to in a second, was must-see TV up until she met Holly Holm, then Amanda Nunes. You got to see Brock, man. He, he, despite the fact that he's been booked so poorly, and he really hasn't had a real, any real opposition besides Goldberg, he still must-see TV. So you got the most must-see dude in the WWE. Versus the most hated dude in WWE. And the next chosen one to take John Cena's place. Going for it all for the Universal Championship. Roman's never won it. Brock is a one-time champion. And uh, I'd say in a couple days. I don't remember when WrestleMania 33 was. But he's about to hit the 365-day mark of carrying that title. And that's something I'm sure that the company wanted. Especially with its auspicious start. With Finn getting hurt and then having to um, drop it the next night, and then Owens having it, but Owens having a, such a having a scaredy cat heel run thanks to Jericho, uh, and then ultimately dropping the Goldberg. Goldberg was just a bridge to get Brock the belt and finish that feud. So we we saw we haven't really seen a dominant Universal Champion, and we still. We have, but not as far as being a full-time guy. Brock versus Roman last night. Roman, uh, Brock was out there, and they had 
wrestlers blocking the ring so Roman couldn't get there and Heyman cut another memorable promo. And I'm hearing that once Brock is gone, that Roman is also gone, not Roman, that Heyman is also gone. So I'm very upset about that. Heyman is amazing. I know they tried to work the Heyman guy angle, but with Punk gone now uh, over four years and with Brock leaving and then not having worked in the past with people being Brock Heyman guys, even though they only tried it with Curtis Axel, I get that he doesn't want to pick up another guy and be his mouthpiece. Like, Heyman and, and Brock are interchangeable at this point. Like, you, you can't see one without the other. And I'm still disappointed that Heyman didn't uh, personally introduce Brock at UFC. Was that uh, 200, I think, when they did that? I'm really disappointed that Brock wasn't the one, or Heyman wasn't the one to introduce Brock then, even though I get that um, uh, the Buffer brother, uh, Michael, and who, who's the dude that does UFC? Oh, wow. Whatever the, the brother is that does UFC, I'm sorry, Mr. Buffer. I can't remember your first name. I'm really disappointed in let Heyman step in. So it'll be sad to see him go. So what do I think about the creme de la creme? Will more than likely be the last match of the night after we're all freaking exhausted? <sighs> Roman's going to win. I mean, Roman hasn't lost at WrestleMania Ever? Is that right? Because let's think about it. He debuted in 2012 uh, with The Shield, defending Punk. His first WrestleMania would have been uh, 29. And I feel like The Shield fought like John Cena and Sheamus and somebody else. And then Shield won. 2014 was when Roman, that would have been uh, 30. Who did Roman fight at 30? Um, it's not coming to me who Roman may have fought at 30, but I don't think he lost either because the shield was still together. So I'm going to guess the shield was in a match at 30. It may have been their fate, their first face tag match, uh, or somewhere near the beginning of their face run before Seth brought them crumbling to the ground. So, and then of course, WrestleMania 31, he did lose that match. He did lose against... Brock, but that was more. I mean, he did eat the pin though. So, really, I guess. Uh, so, Roman did lose at 31. 32, he beat um, Triple H. 33, he beat Undertaker. So, he does have one loss. Roman's going to win. And then I guess Brock is going to just go off into the sunset. I doubt there will be a rematch. And they've even made mention of it as my chihuahua decides he wants to walk around while I'm podcasting. Thank you, Brooklyn. I'm not eating. <sighs> Exhausting. I guess Brock goes off in the sunset. They won't have the rematch. They could, but I mean, what's the point? I mean, unless you're serious about putting the belt back on Brock or Brock's, Brock sticks around, there really isn't too much point to him staying anymore. He didn't, he didn't put anybody over during his run. He held the belt a year. Which will be a record until WWE decides it needs to be broken. And then that that's it. So so Roman is gonna get anointed. So we'll see how fans deal with that. 
I personally am ready for Roman to get the, the main belt back. I think it opens up the roster more. It's the full-time guy with the belt. I don't expect him to turn around and drop it again. But in the words of Mike Osti, that he would always say to me, face chases the heel. So there has to be a strong heel come out of somewhere to challenge Roman. And there's no strong heels. Uh, you could say Braun. Braun is more of a tweener now. He's shaking kids' hands and posting photos on social media, re like replying to photos on social media. Bra uh, Braun is a face. Finn could go either way, and that's not a joke at his Balor Club shirt with all the rainbows. I fully support that, but that's not, a, that's not a dig. Seth could also go back heel. I don't know how much longer Ambrose is going to be out. Ambrose would be the ideal guy to come back as a heel, especially against Roman. So... <clears throat> I, I think that Roman does not need to um, Roman does not need to hold the belt forever. They do not need to merely make him have a 366 day streak just to break Brock. Um, that, that would be ludicrous. There's no reason for that. So give Roman a strap, give him a strong heel and make him chase it a little bit, man. That's what y'all did with Austin and that shit was gold. Uh, he's not Cena. You got to realize that you want, I understand he's, you want him to be the face. You can't book him like Cena though. The universe is going to continue to boom him out of building. So that's my thoughts on that. Who else is up? Let's do some of these undercards. Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I don't even know who's in that thing. Uh, don't really care. <laughs> um... So, I don't I don't know who wins that. I'm sorry, guys, and I don't think I have a list of entrants. Let me let me see. Announced participant. Here we go. Dash Wilder, Scott Dawson, Corbin, Raleigh, Dillinger. Raleigh won it last year. Hardy, Ziggler, Fandango, Breeze, Goldust, Heath Slater, Rhino. I would more than likely it's going to go to Woken Matt Hardy. So Woken Matt Hardy is my pick for that. The women's. The formerly known as the Mae Young Battle Royal before people were complaining that Mae Young used to pimp, pimp girls <clears throat> and they came to their senses. So, so they are now calling it officially the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royale. Battle Royal. I don't know if they say Royale Royal. Banks, Lynch, Liv Morgan, Naomi, Natalia, Ruby Riot, Sarah Logan, Bailey, Lana, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Mickey James. And the last three all entered last night. I don't know how many people they plan on putting on this. I guess it won't be 30. And I don't know who normally is in the Andre. I'd say maybe 15 to 20. I got money on... <clears throat> the money right now for them is all on Banks and Bailey. They're doing great stuff at Banks and Bailey. And they can continue to build on that for months before they have to really give us payoff on that. They're doing good stuff with them. So Banks and Bailey would more likely come down to if they swerve away from that. <sighs> Becky deserves <laughs> she deserves to uh, at least be in the final two. I doubt she wins it, but they might give her the rub there. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and make my pick and say that Sasha will win that. Cedric Alexander versus Mustafa Ali. I guess. Oh, it's the vacant championship. 
I'm going to go with Ali. I don't watch 205 Live. I haven't been even following it that closely. Um, I mean, I have, but nothing exciting is happening there. So it is what it is. AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. This is not, of course, the actual card order. We won't know that until Sunday as everything unfolds. Shinsuke is going to get his WrestleMania moment. He had the title match when your boy um, Gender was the champ. AJ's had the belt for a while. Neither, this is essentially a face versus face match still. They could use this to spin AJ into um, back into being a heel, possibly. Be interested to see what they do with that. Uh, this should be a, a well-worked match, though. I hope they get the time they deserve. But I got Shinsuke there. Miz, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor. I mean, that'll be a hell of a match, too. Especially with Rollins and Balor. They're, build, they're building their bad blood back up because of the injury and their various issues back and forth. Of course, I'm, I'm guessing that uh, the Balor Club, Anderson and Gallows, will get involved in the, in, uh, the Miz Taraj. Will um, get involved, too. I mean, I don't think I see anybody coming in for Seth. Last I heard, Ambrose is still in a sling, but I would not put a ringside appearance past him. I I say let the Miz keep it. I got the Miz. I think I think they'll let Balor win though. I would like to see the Miz win, but I think Balor wins actually. Orton versus Rude versus Ginger or Ginger Gender versus Rusev. Rusev Day! Give that man a belt, especially the belt that he's had the most since he's been in the WWE. Get that off, Orton. Rude don't need it right now. Gender don't need it. Give Rusev his moment, man. I don't even think he's won at WrestleMania. Give that man his belt. Give him his due. Rusev. But Gender probably win. Alexa versus Nia Jax. Nia should win this. Hopefully, again, these these matches get the time they deserve. Um, there's no reason for Alexa to, ret to retain at this point. She's had the belt <sighs> for a while. She's almost had it for a year, I feel like. Nia needs to get it. They need, they need to establish that dominant monster in the women's division. Let it be Nia. It's Nia's time, man. Charlotte versus Asuka. WWE SmackDown Women's Championship, Asuka. <laughs> if they do, if they blow off her her streak for Charlotte, even I mean, unless unless they get the time to really work a, a great match, which they need at least fifteen or more minutes to do, unless they get that time and Charlotte wins, I'm going. I'm not going to agree with it. Personally, I think Charlotte should retain. I'm a fan of Charlotte, but I get Asuka needs gold in, w in the main roster. So I see Asuka pulling it off. Asuka should win. Cesaro and Sheamus versus Braun Strowman in a 2B determined. Um, I would really love if Angle said he had to have a partner. I'm guessing whoever Braun's partner is going to be eats the pin on this. And... Cesaro and Sheamus will retain. I don't see the benefit of 
Braun winning the actual championship, the tag team championship, unless he's going to do it by himself or they really pick somebody really good to be his tag team partner that they can build a storyline around and then go for a few months. Because Braun should have been the damn universal champion. The Usos versus the New Day versus the Bludgeon Brothers. Usos are the champs. They've defeated the New Day numerous times at this point to a point where the New Day weren't supposed to get a chance anymore, but then they forgot about that. So there's that. <sighs> They're going to give the Bludgeon Brothers a rub here, man. This is, this is their... They, they did the Wyatts. Luke, start, Luke had a chance. Rowan never had a shot. The Bludgeon Brothers gimmick is working, especially after they interrupted the Usos in New Day at the last SmackDown pay-per-view. They're going to go to Bludgeon Brothers. There's, there's no other way around it. I'm going to skip this and come back to it. Daniel Bryan! Yes! 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 Yes, there's a lot of yelling in this podcast. And Shane McMahon uh, versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I, you heard it here first. I said a few episodes ago, I want to say it was less than 10 episodes ago, that I thought Daniel Bryan was able to wrestle, medically cleared, and was able to wrestle again. The fact that he's back changes everything. I cannot wait to see where they go with Daniel Bryan back in the fold. I mean, I get they're going to protect him, and he only has he's going to be limited a little bit. Plus, he has Birdie and Bree to think about. But I am excited to have Daniel Bryan back. I lost Punk in 2014. I lost Daniel in 2016. I got one of them back, damn it. And I'm going to probably get Punk in the Octagon again later this year. I hope he wins. If not, I hope he comes back to wrestling, wherever that may be. Daniel's not going to lose to WrestleMania. So, which will be interesting, because I, I wonder how long they're going to do a draft slash superstar shakeup to bring Owens and Zayn back to Raw. Shane hasn't won a WrestleMania match since he's been back. He lost to Taker. He lost to AJ. Uh, Brian hasn't lost to WrestleMania since WrestleMania 28 that I was at in Miami. Who did he wrestle at 29, though? Huh. I cannot remember who he wrestled at 29. Um, but I'm just saying, you, you can't, they could bring Daniel Bryan back and have him, and have him lose. I mean, Shane can eat the pen. Hopefully his, uh, his uh, divert diverticulitis issues are cleared up, and he'll be okay. I, I haven't heard anything different. I personally would like to see Shane just be in Daniel's corner for health reasons. Let Daniel take them both on if he's as medically cleared as they say he is, and then have Daniel come out on top. Or if he doesn't, at least, I mean, it was a two-on-one match at that point. You get it. Uh, if I got to pick a winner, though, the transition to get them the Raw is so difficult, Zayn and, and Owens. So unless they pull some shenanigans where they do this match early 
And then one of them show up as Braun's partner and was hired to Raw by Stephanie or Triple H. Then it's hard to see them losing because I, I don't see them. I mean, hell, I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't mind breaks, though. I mean, if they got to wait a few months to get, get to Raw or whatever they got to do, I'm fine with it. I, I really like they their spin on the Jericho, the Jericho thing they did last year where it was like Jericho was Owen's best friend. And yeah, Zayn and Owens have put their side of the differences and they're really good friends again. But at the same time, the the aggression is amazing. Like the, the beatdown they put on Brian on SmackDown a few weeks ago, excellent. So I'd hate to see them go. But then if they, if they get their jobs back, where do you go again? Do you immediately have Brian fight one of them at the next pay-per-view or I don't know. I feel like Owens and Zayn will win. I, I I want Daniel to go over though. I'm so glad he's back. So happy he's back. And then Angle and Ronda Rousey versus Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Stephanie's not wrestled or WrestleMania in a long time. Her last match is against Bree in 2014, 13. Uh, and did she win that match? I think, I think she did win that match. I can't remember how, but Stephanie definitely won that match. I think I could, I could be wrong. I feel like Steph won. Uh, they put Rousey, Steph put Rousey through a table last night after Rousey's been throwing Triple H and throwing Dana Brooke awkwardly and, giving people Samoa drops with her arm in a weird place and Tommy Dreamer calling her out about it. Uh, there's there's no reason for Ronda to lose a WrestleMania debut here. Triple H hasn't won a Mania in a couple years, but this isn't the match for him to do it. He's at stages of his career where he doesn't have to. Give Angle that W2 and just have Ronda, uh, excuse me, have Ronda uh, be the one who wins the match. Plain and simple. Last note I have about this. That's everything I got. I, I will get to Taker and Cena in a second. I hate Ronda's entrance music, man. I really do. I get it. I get it. But I don't. I don't like it. Well, I can't. I know Jim Johnson didn't work for him, but... The CFOs, whoever their music people are, you're telling me you couldn't give Ronda Rousey some badass entrance music? Like, some of the stuff that comes out of NXT and even more recent stuff on the main roster is dope. Just just give her something, man. Like, it just takes me out of the moment. And maybe for some people, Call of Personality did that with Punk. That's the last nine... WWE generated theme song I can think of, entrance music I can think of. I mean, maybe some people were big Living Color fans, and I saw a lot of people say they liked his previous entrance better. I didn't. I totally love Call to Personality. Um, so give her some new music. I hope that she doesn't stay with this forever. I mean, you hear that, and it's like, oh, it's Rousey. I don't care about her reputation. Come on, bro. Damn. Damn. I don't like it. Last match, which I'm going to say is going to be made official here soon. 
because SmackDown starts in a few minutes. John Cena versus The Undertaker. Hopefully American Badass Undertaker. If this didn't end in no contest, which is the only way, the only way for at this point in their careers with no streak and with Cena being as part-time as he is, the only way to protect them both would be a no contest or somebody else getting involved. I don't know who would get involved on either side. Cena hasn't exactly been very faces, face-ish lately. Undertaker's Undertaker. So unless they have some surprise return or something that happens at WrestleMania, interferes in this match, and they don't do a no contest, which I think it should happen, and it be a no contest somehow, because I think I have like a real war, like a good 20-minute war, which again, how long is WrestleMania going to be? <sighs> don't put Cena over, man. I mean, he put, Taker went out on his back to Roman last year. Taker gave up the streak to Brock at 30. He, yeah, he beat Shane. Yeah, he beat... Um, he's 23-2. and two. Yeah, he beat uh, Bray, who's hopefully getting retooled thanks to uh, Final Deletion, which was awesome. Was that Final Deletion or Ultimate Deletion? I don't know. Whatever the deletion was, it was awesome. I enjoyed it. Was it as good as the originals? No, of course not. I mean, it's WWE style-wise, but I enjoyed it. Cena... Uh, Cena... I mean, Cena loses, he can go for away for a while. I, I know at some point he's going to come back and beat Ric Flair's record. I already know. We all know that. But if take, let Taker win, man. I want to see Taker look strong. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going with I'm saying Taker's winning that. And that's my WrestleMania 34 preview. So when I come back next week, I will uh, talk about the results and we'll see what happened, man. Hopefully everybody will be tuned in to the WWE Network, which is only $9.99. Oh, those were the days, right? Next topic, switching off of wrestling. I'm going to jump into a little bit of music here. Um, I've mentioned before that I'm a fan of Wale, the rapper from D.C., He's, he's now released five studio albums, beginning with uh, Attention Deficit, followed by Ambition, followed by my personal favorite, The Gifted, followed by the album About Nothing. And now he released, last year, Shine, his fifth studio album. Finally got to check out Shine, right before going to Disney. And I gotta say, I was disappointed. Because with what I heard from Summer on Sunset, I believe that was the name of the mixtape he dropped before Shine. Don't quote me. I know it was Sunset something. I enjoyed Summer on Sunset. I thought it was good. Shine was a really weird attempt at at doing a, a form of, of rap that's popular. There was a uh, he sang a lot on it, which I'm not against. I enjoy when Wale's singing voice, whatever. I I don't have a problem with that, but it just seemed very geared towards um, a radio audience, and it it was okay, but like the problem was like 
seeing everything leading up to Shine because I followed. I used to follow Wale on Snapchat. I don't know if I, I don't think I still do. I, I don't know if he deleted it and got a new one or if I just unfollowed him or I unfollowed him. Uh, he was always in the studio and he's making these songs and you hear some like, oh man, this is fire. And I think I heard some of that fire on the album, but at the same time, it's like, then when you hear the whole song, it's like, eh. I love Wale. I've been the biggest Wale supporter ever since Back in the Go-Go came out. And that was 2008 when that dropped, featuring Pusha T and Bun B, back in the mixtape, in the hip-hop blog era. And of course, that led into the mixtape About Nothing, as well as his other mixtapes that lit up until Attention Deficit. I've always been the biggest fan of Wale. The, I, right after I finished Shauna, re-listened to, re to The Gifted. And The Gifted is still miles away from what he did with Shine. And even the album about nothing. I enjoyed the album about nothing. But Shine's just better. And a lot of people shit on Shine. Or album about, blah. A lot of people shit on The Gifted. The Gifted is Wale's best album. And to see him do this, such a blatant radio attempt on this album, it just sucked. And I feel bad for him because, like, you look at his, uh, look at the people he's always compared to who came out around the same time, they, like, when they first got in the game. You got Kendrick, who dropped Damn last year, Critically Claim, won a, a Grammy, multiple Grammys, whatever, didn't win album of the year. Um, because Bruno took over everything, deservedly so. I'm sorry, Marcus. Like I, I think 444 should have won album of the year too. I would have loved it, but the fact that it went to 24 Karat Magic, I, I can't be mad at that. Bruno swept up, and he deserved to sweep up. Uh, like you look at Drake. Uh, Drake felt felt off a little for me in recent years with views and more life, but. The Scary Hours EP put me back in the right... Seems like he's back on the right track. God's Plan and Diplomatic Community are both fire. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. And all his features right now are dope, too. I even like the Lemonade... The Lemon Remix everybody was shitting on. on. I enjoyed that. He killed Walk It Like I Talk It. He's, he's killing a lot of stuff right now. I, is, I can feel Drake season coming on. Drizzy season's coming. Um, and then J. Cole, of course, adopted the album out of nowhere um, method... And really believing in his fan base, and his fan base has responded. Like, um, for your errors only, uh, went platinum. 2014 Forest Hills Drive went platinum. Uh, I believe Born Center was platinum. I don't, I don't know if Sideline Story was, but after Born Center is really when he really started believing in himself and becoming this introverted artist where when he drops, it's so special because he doesn't do shit else. And then he goes out on tour. And For Your Eyes Only is, is, I may have said I wasn't that impressed before, but I, I still think it's a solid album. It's, it's a, I think 2014 Forest Hills is his best uh, album work, even though I'm a big fan of Born Center, uh, just because of how much I listened to it at the time it came out. Um, but I, I got to say For Your Eyes Only is, uh, is Cole's is, uh, a solid album. And they, they've all fallen into their lanes. They figured it out. Like, you get album Kendrick, and you get feature Kendrick. Feature Kendrick sounds more like regular rappers. Album Kendrick sounds completely different from everything else. Um, 
And Wale just doesn't have that. Like mixtape Wale, when he's not when he's not caring, is amazing. I've always been a fan of mixtape Wale. That's what gave us the album about nothing and more about nothing, and then ultimately, or sorry, the mixtape about nothing and then more about nothing, and then the album about nothing. Um, Wale has vision, but he he gets one track minded, man. And I don't I don't know what happened with Shine. Like it was cool. The last song on the album is Fire, and I really like that one. And I can't think of the name, but since I'm done with the WrestleMania stuff, let me see if Google will help me out here and tell me what the last song on Shine is. Um, but I'm a big... It's dope. You, I'm, I gotta tell you the song. It's the most smile. It's the most fire song on the whole album, in my opinion. Like there was nothing else that really grabbed me on here besides the smile joint. And the smile joint is classic Wale. It's a blend of the singing. He brings you like two fire ass verses, and then he has some. He has a feature on a and versus it has a Phil Aid and Zyla Moon on it, and. It's at, that's what if that whole album had been like that in that direction, he would have had another winner. But in case you hadn't heard, while I did get dropped from Atlantic, I haven't cared enough to look up to see what his deal is with Maybach Music. I assume he's still affiliated. He dropped a real fire uh, video not too long ago, like and I mean weeks, uh, and he was back in uh, D.C. Wake. How about Wale? Um, and I really like that song too. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to see if I can find that for you. It wasn't. I don't think it was Staying Power. Uh, dang, what was that joint called? It could have been Staying Power. If I play this on the podcast, I'll probably get dinged for uh, using music. I actually got a notification from YouTube not too long ago. The very first episode I did with Marcus, yeah, it is called Stay in Power. He has dropped his joint Stay in Power that is fire. It is so dope. But the very first podcast I did with Marcus, episode 34, I um I played uh was it oh I sang the Drake song. No, I played the Drake song, uh Bitches Crazy from uh Comeback Season. And um they dinged me for copyright. Cause I cause it was on there, and I'm like, when did bitches crazy get a copyright? It was on comeback season, which was never supposed to be released for a commercial release, whatever. So I I wanted to talk about this because he, um, obviously he got dropped. He's making hot ass music again immediately after. So I don't know if it was so much label direction or or what with uh, Shine, but. If you're a fan of Wale, check out Shine. I've seen Wale fans out there who enjoy it and champion it. I'm going to revisit it at some point and see if there's anything redeemable about it besides Smile. Um, so I can't I can't recommend that to you, but if you're a Wale fan, at least check that out. Next topic. And this is going to be a quick topic. The Walking Dead still has problems. We're now two episodes away from the season eight finale. 
And my God, this show couldn't be any more boring. Ah, uh, spoilers. You've been warned. Carl dies. Uh, Rick and Negan have an angry walkie-talkie conversation. And that happens. And then, um... And Negan's really sorry for Rick's loss. And Rick's like, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you. And then... Uh, Daryl and... His people trying to get back from the sanctuary are almost caught by the saviors. So Dwight goes back to the savior side. And thankfully, the girl who knew he switched, who changed sides on him in episode at the end of the mid-season finale isn't around anymore, at least not right now. So they think he's cool. And then Simon has gone rogue and went and killed all the uh, scavengers, except for Jadis, and Rick and Negan had another confrontation that led to nothing, and then a uh, stupid, stupid kid lets out all the saviors at the hilltop, and and then Tobin, the dude who Carol was boning, even though she said she didn't care about him, to his face, like minutes before, he dies from his injuries in battle against the saviors, and then he happens to turn, even though they're all infected, Apparently it's from the weapons that were dipped in Walker guts and blood that Negan decided was a good idea. So we really don't know if he died from the infection or if he died like from the weapons or if he died from natural causes. I mean, he seemed to be on the mend when Carol was talking to him after their little battle at the hilltop, but... Then he just died randomly in his sleep, so maybe it was the infection. And there was other people at the hilltop who were um, infected by these weapons and weren't as seriously wounded as Tobin. So they're insinuating that the walker guts and blood is turning people, even though that's never really been an issue before. And Father Gabriel was blind because he apparently put walker guts on his... Almost blind, he put walker guts on his head. And Eugene is making... Bullets for the saviors and Father Gabriel got recaptured, so he's now making bullets for the helping the white make bullets. And Maggie is vengeful but now remorseful. And I haven't seen Sunday night's episode, I tried to start the other night and we didn't get through it. And uh, we kind of I know that Jadis and Negan have some kind of confrontation, and I don't know what happens yet, but. All Out War is all out boring, man. I, I just don't know what happened to my, my favorite show. Like, they, I really think that the cliffhanger of season six and the opening episode of season seven are the best, was as good as it was going to get. Like, I really feel like if they could have ended the series there somehow then that's where it should have ended. Because everything that's come after has sucked. Of course, I'm, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but uh, dude who plays Carl, his name's not coming to me. He thought he was going to be on the show for a while longer. He had talked producers prior to season eight, and they were like, oh, yeah, you're going to be here. And the next thing he knows, he gets script for mid-season finale, and he's got a walker bite. <sighs> It's painful to watch, man. And then 
Tara wanted to kill Dwight because he killed Denise, but then he went back to the Saviors, and so she forgives him. Daryl's mad he went back to the Saviors, even though it seemed like Daryl was okay with everything between them, and you would think Daryl would understand. No, Daryl needs something else to be mad about, and what else happened? Uh, Simon killed the scavengers, like I said. Negan didn't authorize that, so the last episode dealt with the fallout from Jadis thinking it was Negan, and I guess at some point it comes out they didn't authorize it, and who knows where that goes. Jadis is acting normal again and actually like a person, which is interesting. Morgan's more screwed up than ever. Uh, Ezekiel got his groove back, and he's back helping the hilltop, and Jesus pops up every now and then, and Aaron stayed at the seaside, beachside, wherever it's called, all the girls, I guess, to try to convince them to join the fight, and the saviors got out, and there's just nothing exciting about it anymore, and I really hate it, <laughs> and I can't quit it, though. Fear the Walking Dead is so much better. Their third season changed everything, and this fourth season looks like it's going to be good with spoilers Morgan coming on board there. So hopefully we'll get a more sane version of Morgan by the time he gets to the Fear, Walk Fear Walking Dead. I did see that there is going to be a new showrunner, because Gimple is now in charge of both properties, Fear and The Walking Dead. Um... And so he's overseeing both projects, but now I, I, I feel like Gimple is a showrunner on Fear of Walking Dead right now, but this new girl is coming on to take over The Walking Dead. I saw some mention of them going back on the road. Wow, those episodes were way more interesting when they had no home, and I could handle a slow episode or two or whatever they are doing. I don't see how you just immediately throw them back on the road at this point. So, got to deal with the fallout from that. <laughs> so, I'm pretty much hate watching Fear the Walking Dead right now. I mean, The Walking Dead at this point. <laughs> and reading the recast because that's much quicker than sitting through however long they decide to put you through. Because every, every other episode is like, this is a 90-minute episode. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Next topic. Special shout out. I have a friend, a co-worker slash friend, Derek Wright. He is a listener of this show, which I found out because I what happened is he had mentioned he started listening to podcasts when he was visiting my old branch one time. I was like, oh, yeah, you can use these podcasts, uh, pod, uh, podcast apps on your Android. Oh, and here's mine. He's actually been listening to the show. Shout out to Derek. So I appreciate that, man. But the announcement is Derek and his girlfriend, eh, Portia, are expecting their first child. So congratulations officially from myself and Hyphenation and Barack Obama. <laughs> uh, but seriously, congratulations, guys. Many blessings. All the best. Uh, and hopefully that, that child grows into a fan of hyphenation, of hyphenation, as they should. Or at least, uh, be in the fantasy football so that they can play fantasy football since you don't, Derek. Okay. Final topic. 
And I say this for last because it's quite exhausting. <laughs> I have been rewatching Scrubs on Hulu. I haven't for a while because I have I decided to start The Office from the beginning because I know I hadn't seen all the episodes and it has taken up everything in my life because The Office is incredible. Recommendation number one, The Office. I will jot that down. I don't know I'm jotting it down. I just told y'all. Watch The Office. It's on Netflix, damn it. But I watched, I started with season four. I don't remember why. I think I wanted to see a particular episode in season four. Um, so I started with season four, made it through season four, and I'll rewatch season five. Now, Scrubs has had eight full seasons. It's it's over. And season nine was Scrubs Med School. ABC marketed it as still Scrubs. People hated it, and they say season nine doesn't exist. Uh, it's Scrubs Med School, people. Get over it. Season, uh, I would have to say, though, out of all eight regular seasons of Scrubs, I may have to put over season five as the best one. Why, you ask? I made a list. <laughs> I literally made a list. So I'm just going to go down this and kind of briefly touch on all these topics. Why season five of Scrubs is the best season in Scrubs. And if you read my my um, description of hyphenation, I say that you make it an episode why Scrubs is the greatest show ever. This is essentially finally me making do, making good on that promise in the show description. And then also a continuation of my previous podcast, Two Web Shooters and Microphone, episode one, which was me reviewing the very first episode of Scrubs. It's on hyphenpodcastgroup.com. So, from the top, Carla gets pregnant. Carla is the wife of Turk, JD's best friend. Carla had been trying to get pregnant for a while after Turk and Carla's marital issues in season four. She finally gets pregnant. Turk finds out first um, due to finding her. Um, she took pregnancy test. Didn't realize she had to wait three minutes and not one. Uh, and then finds out she's pregnant. And then there's a big episode how they were going to surprise her with, hey, you're pregnant. And she mentions, I want to be the one to tell everybody. And then they try to backtrack it, and but it didn't really work out. But then ultimately... Uh, Turk comes clean to Carla, I know you're pregnant, and Carla's like, and everybody knows, and Carla's like, I don't care, we're having a baby, it's a nice touching moment. On top of that, Dr. Cox's wife, Jordan, also gets pregnant, and this is after she got pregnant at the beginning of season two, it may have been in season, in season one, uh, but she got pregnant, they had a baby, and of course, they resumed the relationship after being separated at the series beginning. Um, and then they have Jack. Well, they have this big baby shower for Carla, and they give away all Jack's baby stuff, and Jordan keeps making these random mentions about things that's bothering her, and da-da-da-da-da. And then finally it clicks, oh, we better take a pregnancy test. And it turns out she's pregnant! Yay! After they thought they were done. After Dr. Cox has had not one, not two, but three vasectomies, Two to do the vasectomy and one to undo the vasectomy when he did it behind Jordan's back initially. So yeah, that's pretty hilarious. And then also, JD also gets a girl pregnant. He gets Kim Briggs uh, pregnant. Like maybe two or three episodes after she's introduced. Um, which is completely random. They have this first date that goes pretty badly and then... Uh, JD shows up at her door like two weeks later and she's like, he's like, hey, two weeks too long for a second date. And she's like, I'm pregnant. And he's like, what? And then that's how the season ends. So 
Carla gets pregnant, Jordan gets pregnant, and Kim gets pregnant all in this season. All and that's and that's Turk and Dr. Cox and JD all about to have kids again. Um, all about to have kids, which is an interesting twist on things. I think season five may be the janitor's best season. The janitor, of course, is literally named the janitor. Um, his actual name is Glenn Matthews. Yes, I did not Google that. It's not revealed until season eight, though. Um, he just has great stories and gags throughout the season, such as he kidnapped JD at one point and locked him in a water tower. Um, and then the episode, instead of taking place from JD's perspective as as normal, is it is from Janner's perspective, and he actually um, helps a patient who can, he can't talk. So he has a little computer who uh, they speaks through, and the computer gets broken, and then the janitor keeps stopping in and talk to him. And then after Dr. Cox fixes the computer, and like, oh, here's a new computer, there you go. He says, thank you. And Dr. Cox is like, oh, thank you. And he's like, I'm talking to him. And he's talking to Janner, because the janitor was actually coming in and talking to him, even though he couldn't respond. He was still treating him like a human being. So that was great. Uh, he became friends with Dr. Cox. Uh, they bonded over their shared mutual hate of JD. And then he promptly, in front of his custodian, his uh, Fellow, I don't want to, um, fellow co-workers, people who weren't doctors or nurses or anything like that at, this, at the hospital, he didn't want to be Cox's friend in front of them. And so Cox got bummed, bummed by that, but they worked it out. I thought that was an interesting uh, take. Let's see, he uh, locks JD up. Um, I think that might be the same thing as, as kidnaps JD. Uh, he makes JD help with a robbery. He asks JD if he wants, um, if he can help him move. And then JD's like, oh, this could be a turning point in me and a janitor's relationship. Backstory. First day JD is at the hospital. Uh, he's walking through the halls and janitor says, hey, did you stick a penny in this door? And then JD's like, no. And then ever since... And then the episode, of course, episode one, he finds a penny. He blames JD, and then it's always been a rivalry ever since. Yes, JD did put a penny in the door. It's revealed later. Um, badly. Um, I mean, I don't really see the point. It was better when it was just a random occurrence that they, they didn't have to have JD be dumb enough to put a damn penny in the door. Uh, and then, of course, um, JD takes a Buddha while they're moving because what happens is he's like hey help, help me move so he helps jd or the janitor move everything out of his apartment and then the actual occupants of the place come home and they realize they robbed them jd runs off the buddha um and then jd ends up returning to buddha in the episode um it's it's very cute and all and then also this is the debut of one of the janitor's inventions knife wrench yes it's exactly like it sounds it is a knife and a wrench um and it's hilarious uh, what else? What else? Uh, let's talk about couples. JD and Kim get together. As well as Keith, uh, Keith Dude Meister, a new intern that's introduced in season five, and Elliot. Um, JD and Elliot had tried dating before. In season one, they hooked up. Nothing really happened. Season two, they hooked up off and on. Season three, JD became obsessed with her when she was dating Sean. He finally gets JD or Elliot to leave Sean. Elliot Reed uh, gets Elliot to leave Sean for him, and then promptly decides he doesn't want her, and then dumps her right before Tark and Carla's wedding in season three. JD is a dick. Um, but season four was them overcoming all those issues. Season five, they're good friends. They're actually roommates at this point. JD moved out of Turk and Carlos. Um, he used to be Turk's roommate. And then Carla and Turk got married. And it was the three of them. And then finally, JD moved out. I'm going over a lot here. I'm sorry. <laughs> so two 
to the the couples though, JD and Kim were a really great couple. Um, I feel like I feel like that ultimately I would have been okay if JD and Kim had ended up together. Spoilers, they do not. Uh, she has uh, his child Sam in season six, and then they they actually when did they break up? Actually, oh, Kim does some shiesty shit in season six. Hell, Sam might not even be born till season seven, because season six she takes a she takes a job in Seattle, I believe. Shout out to Seattle. JD takes a bus with all his coworker friends from the hospital to go see her. And then she's like, oh, I lost a baby. And then as soon as J.D. leaves, she had a doctor's appointment. She lied because she didn't think J.D. would want to stay in a long-distance relationship um, just, and didn't want the baby to be the main reason. And then it turns out it's later revealed that she's still pregnant. J.D. goes to a medical conference and finds out. And I, I guess they resume their relationship from there. I'm pretty sure they do. But then it ends up uh, not working out. Uh, from there. So they don't end up back together. And then Keith and Elliot. Keith was an intern. That uh, they introduced in season 5. And then Elliot starts. Uh, makes him a friend with benefits. And they're just they're just banging for a while. Smanging in the, smanging in the living room. Windows open. Um, that's, smanging would probably be a word Elliot says. She doesn't say normal sex words. You gotta watch gross. Um, and then ultimately they become a couple. In season six, they get engaged, and then they actually uh, they end season six with a cliffhanger where it looks like JD and Elliot might kiss. Season seven premieres, they don't kiss, but then they end up breaking off Elliot and and Keith somehow. In season seven, it's abbreviated because of the writer strike in two thousand and eight, um, and then they and then they are not together anymore after that. Uh, I thought both couples had a lot of potential. Spoilers, J.D. and Elliot end up together by series end. By the time they get there, it makes sense for them to be together. If they had continually tried to force them together over and over throughout the series, I would have been exhausted of it. But they do pay it off, and uh, J.D. and Elliot do get married. And in season nine, she actually um, is shown pregnant. So you know that they have at least one on the way by the time the series ends. Okay, uh, Kim and Keith, I talked about them a little bit. Kim and Keith were both excellent additions to the cast because Keith uh, was essentially the Golden Boy intern that JD always thought himself to be, but really wasn't. Even Dr. Cox was impressed by Keith. Kim was the first female doctor introduced on the show, I believe. There might have been some other doctors here and there, but the first recurring uh, doctor. And I feel like she brought a lot to the cast, but Elizabeth Banks does play... Kim. She had a lot going on um, shortly after this. Of course, she played Effie and um, I hope I got that right. I'm not confusing her with Effie White from Dreamgirls. She played Effie in Hunger Games and all four of those. Uh, so that was a lot of money that she couldn't turn down. And she's just been in a lot of roles, of course. And I've always loved Elizabeth Banks. Hi, Elizabeth Banks. What's up, girl? My Four Stages. This is episode where there is a recurring patient this season. Her name is Mrs. Wilk. She comes in, and uh, her and JD get off a rocky start, but then they kind of fix things up, and then she quickly becomes all the main characters' favorite patient, Carla Turk, JD, Dr. Cox. She has to uh, actually be put in a medically-induced coma in order to fix something, and they're not, they're not sure if she comes out. She comes out. She's actually healthy, ready to go home, and then 
uh, JD has to fire an intern. I don't remember his actual name. Uh, he goes by Cabbage, though. And Cabbage uh, is just a fuck-up. He's a terrible intern. JD finally realizes in the episode he kept trying to put it off on Keith because he's mad Elliot was hooking up with Keith because he, he, he just... He has an inferiority complex. It wasn't even about Elliot. It was more about Keith being the one she's hooking up with. So, um, uh, so he fires Cabbage. Cabbage then infects himself with some kind of infection and infects Mrs. Wilk. Her immune system's too weak. And then she essentially is slowly dying. And My Four Stages is her last episode of her dealing with her dying and then everybody in the hospital dealing with the four sta uh, four stages of grief grief leading up into her death that episode uh two other great episodes my lunch this episode reintroduces jill tracy someone who's seen earlier seasons she's super annoying high energy nobody wants to deal with her well she says that she's um She's like a, a, a JD's in the grocery store trying to have lunch with Dr. Cox. Dr. Cox isn't having it, so Jill Tracy bumps into JD, and JD's like, uh, "I have lunch with you. I can't stand you." Blah blah blah. And uh, she says something about being exhausted, having no one to talk to, and stuff like. And JD just blows her off, whatever. And a few days later, she comes up dead from a, what they thought was a cocaine overdose. Well, just so happens that Sacred Heart had three patients that needed her had needed her organs. And in the fastest approval process I've ever seen, they pretty much turn around within a 24-hour period and stick all these organs into these patients that need them. And all the patients are growing well. And all of a sudden, the patients start getting really sick. Uh, autopsy comes back on Jill Tracy. She died of rabies. So all of those organs had rabies. So three patients infected, three patients died, including someone Dr. Cox had, a patient of his that he had gotten close with. Um, and he ultimately blames himself for all three deaths, including his friend, um, saying something along the lines of JD. I mean, JD was trying to talk him through it and had him kind of talk through with the first two patients that this isn't your fault, you couldn't have known, yada, yada, yada. But then after the third guy dies, which is Jay, or Dr. Cox's friend, um, Dr. Cox is like, did he? Uh, was this not my fault? Because he could have waited for, I want to say, a kidney. He could have waited a few more months. He would have been fine. And then he walks off. And then next episode, My Fallen Idol, uh, Dr. Cox needs help with the IV because he's drunk at work. Because he is massively depressed after these three deaths. So My Fallen Idol uh, features everybody in the hospital coming to kind of spend time with Dr. Cox, try to get him out of his funk. He has uh, given a leave of absence from the hospital after the incident. JD refuses to see him as JD takes the moral high ground for some strange reason that he can't believe Dr. Cox would come to work drunk uh, despite the circumstances and he just can't wrap his head around it. And then JD finally goes to see him and then he kind of gets him out of his funk. And then Dr. Cox even gives him his propers and gives him a good firm pat on the back for helping him out of his uh, his uh, miserableness, so to speak. We get introduced to Julie, JD's first girlfriend uh, in season five. I believe in season four is when he dated Kylie, the very cute black girl played by Crystal Ferris. I follow her on Instagram. She's still cute as hell. Um, quick story: JD um, met this girl when her uh, she brought met her at a bar. 
she told her as a doctor. So she brought came to the hospital the next day, brought her boyfriend in to uh, see what was wrong with him. In terms, of I had an STD, um, and he didn't tell Kylie. She ended up being clean. They start dating shortly after JD and Kylie, and then after seemingly a good start, apparently she's not all about him sleeping over or putting out. And so to, there's several episodes pertaining to her not putting out. Eventually, he gets her to the point where she's ready to take that step. But then also drunkenly admits that he almost slept with uh, his former co-worker who had been back in town. But he turned her down to be here with her. Then a fight ensues and we never see Kylie again. Julie is his first girlfriend after that. Um, Julie shares several characteristics that JD does. They seem great on paper. But in classic JD fashion, he finds something wrong with her. And this thing that's wrong with her is she continues to say, that's so funny, instead of laughing. Uh, and then drives JD mad. And eventually they have words and they end up breaking up. <sighs> Dr. Kelso also has amazing... Uh, you didn't have too many great character arcs. I think Baxter died in the season, which is his loyal dog. Um, but he he his funny got turned up all the way in season five. He was funny in previous seasons. But I definitely feel like he really blossomed in season five with it, with what was give, he was given. So he had great stuff. Jordan got even more stuff to do. She became friends with Carla and then eventually Elliot, and which opened up more storylines for her. So she had great things going on as well. She was a, a great character to watch. Lonnie is an intern that's been around since season two or three of the series. JD's always hated Lonnie. Lonnie's not in it a whole lot, but when Lonnie's there... The funny is normally there with Lonnie. Um, JD made attending physician. Uh, his brother Dan came to visit for the first time since he um, visited. Um, he visited in season four. And it was like shortly. I mean, it wasn't that long after Elliot and JD broke up. And then Elliot and Dan immediately started hooking up. And I guess Dan went back home. Dan came back and I guess they never really broke it off. So, um... Yeah, Dan came back and they never really broke it off. So Dan wasn't sure what was going on with that. And essentially, J.D., um, after some advice, has to tell his brother, who is a bartender still living with their mom. He's like, look, um, I feel like you can get your life together and you, you really need to. And, I think, and Dan ends up taking J.D.'s new suit. And he's like, I'm going to go to this job interview and, and we'll see what happens. So I, it seems to be a turning point for Dan because I don't remember Dan ever coming back and being the same Dan. I feel like he came back in season six or eight, um, a, a changed Dan, and there was hijinks that ensued. Um, J.D.'s Half Acre debuted. Him and Julie brought a Half Acre together and uh, hastily made... Um, new relationship kind of thing they planned on building on it but all they had enough for was to build a deck uh that is a recurring thing and of course the janitor pranks them on it by uh sitting uh putting out flyers that it is a spot for um men to meet each other it's a, a essentially a, a gay a singles bar for gays and jd's never a, a big fan at one point jd uh is seen with a broom stretching away uh men Saying, uh, get out of here, you queens. And, and <laughs> a lot of the jokes don't age well in 2017, 2018. Let me tell you that. A lot of the jokes don't. There's a lot of times I was very cringy, especially when it came to the Tide. Because the Tide is, um, uh, 
essentially he's a surgeon like Turk. And the Todd just says inappropriate stuff to everyone, always about sex. And then some of his stuff is just like, oh, little much there. Uh, My Way Home, Zach Braff directed it. Uh, Zach Braff plays JD. Uh, it was a play on uh, Wizard of Oz with JD having his day off, being in the hospital anyway. And then all four of the main characters this episode, which would be JD, Elliot, Turk, and Carla, trying to find their way home through whatever situation you're dealing with. It's a cute little episode. Um, it's not It's not cute. I will say it is, it's a very solid episode. And the 100th episode of Scrubs. Uh, Ted Buckland is the hospital's attorney and is a complete screw-up. He had several memorable memorable moments this season. Um, I wrote my way home twice. Good for me. Uh, Tart deal, deals with being a dad. He didn't think he was ready to be a dad. Um, but then he uh, something that most parents deal with, new parents deal with um, during pregnancy is, can I do this? Carla did the same thing. They debuted Dr. Acula in the season. That was JD's screenplay about the doctor who was a vampire. Get it? Dr. Acula. At the end, he's going to have DR period, and then he's going to have ACULA on this side of the screen. He's going to throw out the period and then smush together Dr. Acula. Everybody seemed to love Dr. Acula, but I think the janitor was responsible for his script getting burnt. So, never saw a later today. Uh, one other episode I want to mention is My Day at the Races. JD turns 30, uh, has some good JD Elliott moments that aren't romantic, which is kind of crucial to building their relationship throughout the series. And then finally, two, two other things. Finally, if you're still with me and you haven't tuned out, uh, there is an airband episode where Turk and the janitor, and I believe it is Lloyd and um, Ted, form an airband called the Cool Cats. And they decide that uh, Turk can be in a group when... They say Turk has no rhythm, so he plays Poison and proceeds to break down this awesome dance routine to Poison. Um, for And it's simply captivating and awesome at the same time. Uh, Turk is played by Donald Faison of Sitting Up In My Room fame. <laughs> I only say that because I just update all this stuff on the site and I rewatch the Sitting Up In My Room video. And Donald Faison is in Waiting Excel. And up in my room was on waiting next hell soundtrack and like brandy's in a room and her friend comes hey this party's going on we got this guy and this guy and this guy and donald's here and she goes donald's down there she's like yeah donald's down there and they're talking about donald Faison. this is like before he got his teeth fixed uh possibly before clueless too but it's a really cool episode and it introduced me to the boston song more than a feeling because i had never known or at least paid attention to that song before. So that's the only Boston song I know, more than the feeling. And it's all due to this episode with the Cool Cats. Man, I was talking fast. Uh, lastly, this may be my favorite Dr. Cox season ever. So many memorable moments. Um, so many one-liners. So many jabs at Hugh Jackman. It's just an overall good-ass episode, or good season for Dr. Cox. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of what they did with Dr. Cox there. So, if you have not checked out Scrubs, despite my pleas and what's it said in the uh, description, show description, and you were like, I don't know where to start. I don't want to start with season one. I, I don't honestly, this show is really funny. Season five. Trust me. You'll get through season five and you'll be like, all right, I can watch the rest of this in 
feel free if if the word of the Barack Obama approved world's greatest podcast host isn't enough. I'm out of topics. Yay, we're at the end. Uh, I'm sure you're super glad after all of that uh, crazy scrub talk I just hit y'all with. Recommendations. Saw a drawing of Eric Killmonger online that was badass. It was done by Steve Yurko. That's Steve, S-T-E-V-E, Yurko, Y-U-R-K-O. You can find him on the gram and on Twitter. Follow his stuff, man. He does, he does some phenomenal work. Even though he was not willing to put for me to put his Killmonger on a t-shirt. And in hindsight, I'm kind of glad because I do like that image. But I don't know if it's t-shirt worthy. So, check out Steve Yurko on the Twitter. Uh, checked out Fonte and Eric Roberson's album. I believe it came out in 17, maybe 16. Called Cigalero. It is an R&B slash rap hybrid. Fonte from Little Brother, of course, is going solo, went on to this foreign exchange project, um, still killing the game, and I actually saw a really great read about uh, Fonte possibly being, or was it a video? Was it a video? Have I not watched this video about Fonte? Hmm. Or was it an article? It might be in my pocket. It's probably an article about Fonte being one of the greatest rappers of all time. It's really dope, though. There's a song on there called Through the Night. Blew me away. Roberson's and Fonte's vocals are great. Fonte slaughters his verse, though. It's so real. Go check out Tigalero if you haven't do that. And on more Fonte news, he dropped his second solo album last month called No News is Good News. It's only like 36 minutes, 10 tracks, but it's great, too. Go check out No News is, no, is Good News. By Fonte. So Fonte and Eric Robeson, Tigalero, and Fonte, no news is good news. Checked out the soundtrack to the Black Panther. Black Panther, the album it was called. It was dope, too. It was dope. You may have heard the SZA Kendrick single and enjoyed that, or the Weekend Kendrick song and enjoyed that. But listen to the whole thing. There, There's only, like, one... Honestly, even, even with it being whatever they call rap these days, even though there, uh, there was like a couple references to that, it's really good. Kendrick and Top Dog did their damn thing putting that together. So check that out. It's worthy of worthy of the movie. Atlanta came back. I believe there are five episodes in now. The sixth episode is set to debut on Thursday. Robin season has not let down. We've got to meet, uh, was it Paperboy or Ern's uncle? Um, played by Cat Williams in episode one. Episode two, uh, we got to, um, uh, was that? No, I think episode three is when they went to the record label. Episode two was when. Just watch Atlanta. The last episode was about Paperboy trying to get his hair cut. Hilarious. Hilarious all the way through. The episode before that was Ern and Van going to this German festival and it ending exactly how you think it would end for Ern and Van at a German festival. It, it's really good. Um, oh, there's an episode where Ern feels stunted on all the time. He races Michael Vick at the end. A lot of great stuff happens before that. Check that episode out. Atlanta Robin season is 
as good as season one so far. I'm looking forward to, episode, to the new episode on Thursday night. So check out Robin season, Atlanta. And then you may have heard me mention this before. Being a fan of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend um, stars Rachel Bloom. Uh, the first two seasons were on Netflix. They just wrapped up the third season not too long ago on the CW. I was not watching it as it happened, but thank you, Netflix. Season three is on um, is on Netflix now. I'm only I think I'm three episodes in and I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's the classic crazy ex-girlfriend formula that you've all come to know and love. Hopefully, because you checked it out. But I I did I have spoiled myself a little in this season, and I know it's about to dwell into some serious issues, especially with uh, Rebecca Bunch, Rebecca um, Rachel Bloom's character, the main character on the show. So really going to get into some of her issues as to why she is the way she is and why she's the crazy ex girlfriend. Uh, so I'm only at three episodes in because the office is taking over everything. Uh, I can't wait to finish the rest of the season, so I recommend that you jump in on that while it's still on Netflix. Season 3 is available now. All three seasons are available whenever you want. So, with that said, you can find Hyphen Nation on hyphenpodcastgroup.com. All the new episodes are posted there, and then they go out across the world to every podcast platform. It's all in one place. If you don't like Hyphen Podcast Group for some reason and you want to rather go to Hyphen Universe, do that too. HyphenUniverse.com. All episodes are on there too. So even though I'm going to set it up so that when you click on an episode on Hyphen Universe, it takes you to Hyphen Podcast Group. But whatever. (laughs) Uh, You can definitely find all the episodes right there. Go to iTunes. Do this right now. Go to iTunes, give me five stars. I don't care if you don't give me a comment. You give me five stars, the show gets more eyes on it, and the more people can find out about the world's greatest podcast. You want people to know about the world's greatest podcast, especially because it's Barack Obama approved. You don't want to miss out on the opportunity, right? Right. Five stars. If you leave a comment, though, I will most definitely read that shit on air. Don't care if it's good or bad. Unless it's something stupid like, Oh, you look like Craig Robinson and Carl or Carlton. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> God, I'm never gonna have a clean show. So please rate, review, and also subscribe while you're there so you never miss an episode. For my Android people, Google Play Music has all the episodes on there as well. And if you check out um, hyphen podcast group if you check like say when this episode goes up and you're like follow the link there actually is a subscribe on android website now that will give you all these options for your android that you can download and then listen to the episodes right that way too it's pretty cool so make sure you check that out hyphenation is also on stitcher on youtube at youtube.com slash be hyphen it's my official channel i got my name back so it's just kellen conley again but uh YouTube.com slash B hyphen. All the episodes are on there. Um, working on the mixed cloud situation. That's the next thing I got to tackle to get all the hyphen podcast group stuff on there officially so that it's there and people can take heed there. They're there. Also on the TuneIn app. Also on PocketCast. <clears throat> Where else are podcasts sold? Oh, I'm also on the. Um, 
I think it's called Burberry, not Burberry, Blue Blueberry podcasting thing now because the plugin I use for WordPress on Hyphen Podcast Group, uh, they have a whole directory, and if you if you use, uh, I guess it's called Blueberry. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, I will have to Google it. I got to do it. I don't, I don't want to tell y'all wrong information like I normally do. Uh, you can actually um, check out the show that way, too. And that's hella exciting. Um, let's get my podcast 101. Google's going to take a minute. Um, you can also Google hyphenation. Let, in fact, since it just loaded... Let me go ahead and type in hyphenation and see how we're doing as far as page rankings go, especially since I just uh, changed some things. I haven't deleted the old stuff, though. So I typed in hyphenation in my Google hyphenation. Okay, it's not on the front page. Hyphenation. Damn, I'm not on the second page. Okay, the first mention is episode 34 on page two. So maybe I was wrong, but this is a this is the browser too. So if you type in hyphenation in Google, just go ahead and throw podcast after it, and it'll come right up, um, and it'll be available to you. So let me see. Uh, what this thing is actually called? Yeah, it's called Blueberry B L U B R R Y podcasting. So we're listed in that directory as well. So you'll be able to find the show that way if you're into that. And finally, if you're in the RSS feeds, you can still use the old the old one, the feeds.feedburner.com slash hyphenation2016. You can still use that. It'll redirect to the new one. But if you go to hyphen podcast group and then click on the shows link and then click hyphenation, you'll see an RSS link right there. Click that RSS link. Do whatever you need to do. Take that RSS link. Turn that some bitch sideways. Put it into your favorite podcast listening device. And you can get all 55 episodes of Fire! Right in your podcast listening device. You're welcome. If you want to contact the show hyphen at gmail.com, B-H-Y-P-H-E-N at gmail.com, or hyphen podcast group at gmail.com. You can do either one. At me on Twitter, hyphen, hyphen universe on Facebook, facebook.com slash hyphen universe, the hyphen on Instagram. I was re-listening to an episode and I, I said something about Instagram, then I didn't say the name. So the hyphen on Instagram. You can find me on there. Find hyphen podcast group on Instagram. Find hyphen pod group on Twitter you can get at me any of those ways and finally with 55 in the can power of positivity is real get that negativity out of your life no matter what you have to do whether you gotta cut someone out or not no matter how painful I actually have a friend who's making who's taking steps towards getting rid of some negativity in your life, and I wish her all the best. Um, a couple friends actually doing that. Call your mom, call your dad, hug a friend, dap them up and then do the Wakanda X like I've been doing. 
write a letter, send an email, uh, send them a message. Just, just tell people that, that you're thinking of them, man. Uh, don't be annoying about it like at 5 in the morning or something like that or 3 in the morning when you're drunk. But, I mean, if you got to do it that way, you got to do it that way. Uh, just, just let people know how much they mean to you. Have genuine interactions with people. You can go a long way. Get that negativity out of your life. Power of positivity is real. And with all that said, next episode, I'm talking about the Disney trip. Thanks for sticking with me, y'all. I appreciate it. Oh, and here's a little sneak preview of some episodes down the line. Marcus and I already recorded our uh, Iron Man Infinity War preview, and that's coming out the week before Infinity War drops. You're welcome. World's Greatest Podcast. Shout out Barack Obama. Shout out Barack Obama. Apologies to Markel Fultz. Because your jumper is still trash, even though you're finally back on the court. Sad about Joel Embiid, Joel though. I, I, have, I haven't cared enough to see if he has any chance of playing anymore this season. I heard indefinitely. Um, Wakanda forever. Thanks, y'all.